this week you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an eight 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 money pit. The Money Pit is presented by Abitron Restoration Products, the Angie App, LL Flooring, Schluter, and Riverbend Home. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Here to help you take on the projects that you'd like to get done around your house. What are you working on this spring? What are you planning for the summer? We'll help you get it done. Call us with your questions at 888-MONEY-PIT or post your questions to moneypit.com or reach out to us at facebook.com slash the money pit or on Instagram. Coming up this hour, a pizza garden is a fun way to get the whole family involved in gardening. You know, the kids get a kick out of growing their own food and then they'll be able to eat it. It's also a great way for parents to sneak in some veggies. Always important. So we're going to walk you through exactly what you'll need to grow your very own pizza garden in your backyard. I was going to say, I'm very curious how you're going to grow the dough, Tom, but I'm going to stick around. Yeah, that's the best part. (laughs) We're going to use the rest of the yard to grow wheat. It's a very big project. Oh, my goodness. That is a long time project in the making. All right. Also coming up, when you pop out of bed in the morning and you head for that first shower of the day, there's nothing nicer than stepping out onto a heated, warm tile floor to kind of soften that blow of the start of your day. Well, if you're a DIYer or a pro, for as little as 525 bucks, you can purchase all of the components that you need to create a warm floor. And if you'd like to add hardwood floors to your home, there's a new style of pre-finished hardwood that's out right now. It's a collection where the boards have been shaped using wire brushing and scraping and cross-hatching techniques that gives them a very classic seasoned look from the moment they're installed. We'll explain more in just a bit. But first, we want to hear about your projects. What are you guys working on? I mean, we are getting into the almost summer season, the official kickoff Memorial Day weekend. And now that we're all getting vaccinated and we can get together, I bet you want to make sure that your yard looks amazing to show off. So let us give you a hand. Give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. Rick in Pennsylvania, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Well, uh, yes, I have a question about a bedroom wall. Um, I'll, I'll tell you real quick what I have. It's a cinder block wall, and on the outside of it is a stone facing. And then on the inside, they just had furring strips and then plaster. So no insulation and very cold in, in the winter. So what we're doing, we're tearing down the plaster. Uh, we're going to frame it out. We're going to put, uh, I guess it's R19, I think it is, in there, and then drywall it. But my question is, we were talking about putting a thermal barrier onto the block itself, and I guess I have a couple of questions or concerns. Uh, A, is it going to be worth it? Is it going to raise the R value any? And uh, B, there's not really going to be an air cavity. It's just going to be the thermal barrier on the wall, and then the insulation is going to be touching that, so I'm kind of afraid it's going to act more of a conductor. Well... What you might want to think about using there is Tyvek. Oh, on the, on the inside. Yeah, on the inside. It's vapor permeable. So I think it'll allow everything to breathe, but it'll keep some separation between the block uh, and the frame. And by the way, you'd be wise to leave at least an inch there in between and not have it up against 
the block because you really don't want to have an organic material like wood and certainly not drywall that close to a, uh, a very damp source, which will be the concrete block. Because the concrete blocks are very hydroscopic. They suck up a lot of water, and especially in you know periods of, 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 high, of bad weather. So you do want to have a, a bit of a space there. But I think that I would cover the block first with uh, Tyvek, then I'd frame up against that. Now, another option to kind of kill two birds with one stone is consider spray foam insulation. If you did spray foam insulation, you could frame the wall and then you could spray into the framing right up against the block wall and then it would be cut flush with the wall and you would put your drywall right on top of that. Now, spray foam has the advantage of being able to not only insulate but seal and draft proof at the same time. We recently added spray foam insulation to our entire home. Now, we have an existing home much like you, uh, and, of course, it makes it difficult to get into the walls. But what we did was we put it in the box beams, which all the way, all the way around the sort of the perimeter of the basement and crawl space, and we added it to the attics. And just those areas, without even doing the walls, because we weren't opening the walls at this time, uh, made a huge difference in the energy efficiency of the house. So I'm a big fan of, of Isonene, I-C-Y-N-E-N-E, as a result of that experience. Yeah, I didn't even think about anything like that. I have to I have to check into that. Do you know? Well, I guess I'd have to look that up online or whatever. If there's somebody around my area, I'm sure that there will be. Isonine is a Canadian company, but they have dealers all across the country. Now, if I didn't do that and I just I put the the frame the stud up to the block wall, you said to leave an inch. How like what what would you recommend? How would you do that? I would just simply frame the wall out away from the block. Okay. I don't attach the frame wall to the block wall because I tell you some of the worst cases of mold infestation we've seen is when you have wood framing attached to block walls uh, and and drywall, which is uh, essentially mold food. In fact, one of the things you might want to consider is to not use drywall on that wall, but use something called Dens Armor, which is a fiberglass-faced drywall product. So without the paper face, you don't have food to feed the mold. Make sense? All right. Well, thank you very much. Rick, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Now we've got Pam in Illinois on the line dealing with a flat roof. Tell us what's going on in your money pit. We are having a problem uh, finding a leak on our roof. Is We have a roof that's flat, but it has a, a slope to it. We have our air conditioning units that sit up there along, you know, with the uh, roofing vents. Um, we've used that white vinyl you know, to seal it. It's a rolled roofing, you know. Uh, we've sealed it with a white vinyl. Around the air conditioning units and the vents, we've used the black mastic tape, but we can't seem to get, you know, to seal them. So do you have any suggestions, something that would work? So do you know where the leak is? Well, <clears throat> we're thinking around the vent or the air conditioning unit. Have you tried to take a garden hose up there and, and strategically sort of flood that suspected area to see if you can cause the leak to happen? Uh, no, we haven't. So that might be a good next step. Uh, start low on the roof because it, it's sloped and flood that area with the garden hose for 15 or 20 minutes. And then if nothing happens, you know, move it up a few feet and a few feet and a few feet to see if you can narrow down the exact area where the leak is happening. Uh, you've got a difficult situation, Pam, because, first of all, rolled roofing is the weakest roofing material out there when it comes to low-slope roofs. Secondly, you've got an air conditioning compressor on the roof, probably sitting on 
four by fours or something of that nature. So when the where the air conditioner sits, as it goes on, it vibrates. And so that vibration breaks down that roofing material, makes it really difficult for you to get something that's that's leak free. If the roof was built in a different way, and by that I mean if the roll roofing was stripped off right down to the sheathing, uh, and the roof was built with maybe like a, a rubberized roof or something of that nature, and there are fa- there are special types of support mechanisms for air conditioners that have flashing built into them, you know, then you wouldn't be having this issue. So there's no sort there's no like easy way to kind of make this go away. All I can really suggest is that. You strategically try to find out where this leak is and then focus your, your, your tarring application efforts right around those spaces. Uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be easy to find it. But once you do, hopefully you can identify the weak link. And then as a matter of preventative maintenance, you can get up there and, and then reseal it every once in a while. Okay. Well, you've certainly helped us and given us a lot of food for thought. All right. Happy to do so. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Aaron in Louisiana is on the line. How can we help you today? Hi. I have a slab house that's about 35 years old, and it's showing signs of needing to be leveled. But I thought I heard on a previous show of yours that you do not recommend leveling a house, just fix the issues that come up as it needs it. And I didn't know if I heard correctly or not, so I thought I would call and ask about that. Well, tell me, how much of a slope are you noticing throughout the property on the interior of the home? No, we're seeing cracks in the walls, cracks in the ceiling, cracks in the floors. Okay. Now, if you're seeing cracks in the walls and in the ceiling, are they sort of near a doorway or a window, or are they just square in the middle of stuff? Well, there's a a crack in the floor that's square in the middle of the floor. It extends out into a uh, we have a sliding glass door, and the brick above the sliding glass door is separated. And then we also see it. I also see it in rooms next to the wall. You know where it's like the house is shaped like a T, and um, where one part of the top of the T goes into the long part of the T. I can see it separating there against against the, 
you know, in the ceiling. You know, generally, if you see cracks and they're by a door frame or a window, that's just general movement because of the opening in the envelope of the home, you know, being in a window opening or a doorway in an interior wall. Now, if you're seeing it like in the middle of the floor and above a door frame in brick, you might be concerned that there could be some structural issues going on. However, you might want to bring in a structural engineer. You bring in an engineer or even a home inspector, and for a couple of hundred bucks, they'll come in and look at these areas and diagnose specifically what's going on there. Because it could be something structural that could need to be fixed in you know, a way that you can't just do by repairing the crack, or it could just simply be natural settlement of the home over the duration of the home's lifespan, and that's easily fixable. But because you have a crack forming in the middle of a floor and that continues to a doorway, I would definitely bring in somebody who's a structural engineer and they can write up a report on it. And the benefit of doing that is that when you do fix this, whatever the problem may be, you are going to have a full written pedigree of what you've done to the problem in the home, how you fixed it, and what everything was done correctly. This way, if you go to sell the home and somebody says, oh, I saw a crack or whatever the situation might be, you can say, actually, this happened. We did this repair and it's all square. Okay. You know, Aaron, some cracks are really typical wear and tear, so to speak, but this one definitely sounds like you need a pro to check it out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, if your kids love pizza, creating a pizza garden is a really great way to get your kids involved in an outdoor project that you can plant right now and then really start enjoying it by midsummer. Now, kids really do get a kick out of growing their own food and then being able to eat it. And this is also a great way for parents to sneak some veggies into those dinners. I know how hard it can be to get them to eat the vegetables, but if you make it a fun pizza, I bet you they will eat it. And if they grow it themselves right in their own backyard, heck, they're going to eat the whole pie. (laughs) That's right. Now, to get started, you don't need a lot of space for a pizza garden. I mean, if you only have like a four-foot by four-foot area, that's just about perfect. And if you want to make it extra fun, you could even make it in a circle shape and then mark off the areas in wedges that resemble those pizza slices for a little more fun. Now, first off, you want to choose your tomatoes. This is really important because Roman tomatoes are the choice when you're making sauces. And if you want to go for the small compact garden inside that four-foot area, you only need one plant. Another option, though, is to use cherry tomatoes. They're really fun because kids can pick them easily, and then you can just cut them in half and put them on top of your pizza. Mm-hmm. And peppers. you got to grow peppers because they grow very easily and quickly. And you can choose a bunch of different varieties. You know, bell peppers are great, come in a bunch of different colors. But if your family likes a little spice, you can even go with a banana pepper. Anything that your local nursery sells is going to be a good fit for your yard because it's really meant for your area. You know what pepper I want? Which kind? The sausage and pepper. <laughs> We cannot grow the sausage in the backyard either. What are you doing? But we can grow basil. I mean, basil is a great plant to grow. You can plant one or two. You can use it fresh or dry it for use later. I mean, I love growing basil plants because you can just snip off what you need. That plant is going to keep growing. It's sort of like the gift that keeps on giving. Now, when you're deciding where to put the plants in your pizza garden, make sure you check the labels for the right spacing because some plants need a lot of space and some need a little bit of space. And you want to make sure you stake those plants that are going to need support like tomatoes and peppers to keep them up off the ground. And with the proper amount of space, it will also make them easier to harvest. So that's all there is to it. If you plant now in a couple of months, you will start harvesting and enjoying your fresh pizza fixings.
Steve in Illinois, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Looked outside this year, and we've got a building that was built in 1929. It's got a porch above the the patio down below, and and on the exposed uh, joists, uh, those carpenter bees have uh, put some holes in there, and uh, we're looking for a way to uh, eliminate carpenter bees and not necessarily poison everything in the neighborhood. Well, part of what they're doing is, you know, they really enjoy eating this natural wood. So they're coming there because you've got something tasty to offer up. And, you know, it turns out that they love to bore these holes that are like perfectly three-eighths inches, you know, round. So you can do a couple of things. You can... um, you can have it treated by a pest professional and then seal up those holes, and that should do the trick. But you're right. You know, chemicals are used, and that might not be what you have in mind. The other thing is you can cover that or replace that joist completely or whatever the support is with a synthetic wood or a composite that looks like wood, but it's not actually wood. It could be extruded PVC. It could be recycled plastics. This way, it looks like wood. It's doing the same job that the wood piece was. However, carpenter bees, carpenter ants, termites, whatever pests like to eat a natural source's wood, they're going to try it. They're not going to get into it, and they're going to be really confused and fly away and find somewhere else to eat. Yeah, that uh, that sounds uh, like like an option. That that uh, yeah, I was wondering if there's something that uh, you know that I assume that painting it would not uh, make a difference. I didn't know if there was something that uh, could be topically applied to it that uh, would be would be environmentally friendly and and uh, keep the bees out. Mm-mm. I've had them eat through the painted wood that makes up my entire screen and porch. And then what happens is they bore a hole, but they won't bore all the way through. They'll bore into the wood, even if it's just like a one by six or whatever. They find a way to bore into it and then bore through the wood itself and lay their eggs in there. Okay. And it's a, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. It looks like you do. Somebody got out with a drill and drilled the hole in there. It's just bizarre. It's perfect how they do it. So essentially, the the, the options of basically are, are having someone come out and, and treat it, or or either covering or changing the material that's there. Yeah, changing material is usually the best bet because they won't eat it. And then as an added benefit, you know, it doesn't require any maintenance except the occasional cleaning. You know, you're not going to be painting it all the time. It really is a win-win situation. Okay. Steve, I hope that takes care of those carpenter bees once and for all. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, 
fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now we've got Marie calling into the money pit with a cabinet question. How can we help you today? And I'm in a dilemma over kitchen cabinets. I really like this uh, fairly contemporary look, but it's a slab. We're, at the, we're on the salt water, and I've been told to maybe stay away from a slab cabinet door because of the way it um, expands and shrinks. What's your opinion on that or your advice? When you say slab, are you talking about like a full overlay? No, it's it's an actual slab. I don't think it's an overlay or veneer at all. I think you mean a solid wood door, one piece wood door, as opposed to one that's made up of uh, panels, like a raised panel door? Yes, it's not a raised panel, but you can actually see the pieces of wood. Well, I guess they're glued together, but they're, there's no raised panels or anything on it. Yeah, it's a solid piece of wood. It's a laminated, laminated door, basically solid pieces of wood glued together. I don't know. I mean, if the door is made right and the wood is dried when it was built and it's sealed properly, I don't think it's more or less likely to swell than uh, than, a, than a, a raised panel door would be. You know, that makes total sense the way you put it that way. Why wouldn't they dry it out first and then seal right. it properly? Huh. I never even thought about it in that context. You know, the boxes themselves that the cabinets are, you know, the cabinet box is going to be constructed out of, you know, a wood laminated ply, so or or something that's more structurally stable. And I, I don't think you have to be concerned about the door. Hmm, I, I I I think looking at it from that point of view, maybe I won't be. I've had people tell me that they're just going to get all walked, and but why would they if they if it is like you said a reliable cabinet maker? I guess that would right. be the the question. Exactly, good quality cabinet should be dimensionally stable. I agree with you. Oh, I found a beautiful door, and I think I might go for it then. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, if you'd like to add a little luxury to your tile or stone flooring, there's a really well-designed electric heating system available from Schluter, and it's called Dietra Heat. And it lets you very easily add the comfort of an electric floor warming system to any room of the home. Now, the system consists of three components. You have a membrane that's installed on top of the subfloor. Then you have heating cables that are actually snapped into the top of that membrane. And then the thermostat, which controls the temperature of the floor. 
Now, the membrane is key here. It makes it easy to add those heating cables, and it helps prevent cracking of the tile or grout in the finished floor itself. Yeah, in fact, Dietra Heat is the only electric floor warming system that directly incorporates the uncoupling technology, which uses a membrane to make sure the floors aren't susceptible to cracks in tiles or even in the grout. And another advantage of the Schluter system is that it's a thinner system, so it's much easier to match floor heights with adjoining rooms, even the hallways. Plus, there's a better heat transfer because those heating cables are right underneath your tiles. Yeah, and those cables can be customized because you can basically place them wherever you want the heat. And there's also no leveling compounds required, which makes it for a very quick and easy installation. The Dietra Heat System is available for as little as 525 bucks. To learn more about the Schluter Dietra Heat, go to Schluter.com or call 800-472-4588. Dennis in California is on the line with the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? Yes, I have a house that was built in 1979, and it has T111 siding on it. And I'm wanting to change the siding on it. Um, I want it like a cement board lap siding. But my question is, is it is it practical or feasible to just tie that wrap over my T111 and then go ahead and put my new siding on top of that? Or will I be sandwiching against some problems? Well, T111, for those that are unfamiliar, is essentially plywood siding. And it serves two purposes. It's a siding and it's the sheathing. So you do not have to remove that. Now, the downside is that you're going to have to pack out, so to speak, around the windows. The trim will, the window, the windows will be a bit deeper than perhaps you've seen in the past. But that siding can stay just like that. You can put uh, Tyvek over the siding and then uh, over the existing T111 siding and then add your hardy plank over that. Just follow the manufacturer's installation instructions. But there's no reason for you to pull that plywood off because, frankly, if you did, I'm afraid that you'd have to replace it with uh, just regular plywood, and there's really no point to that. The T111 serves a structural purpose as well as uh, keeping the water out of your house. Oh, you know, that makes sense. I didn't didn't think that. It actually takes care of the shear, doesn't it? It does. That's right. Mm -hmm. It protects it against the shear and the racking forces. That makes sense. Okay, great. I now I have a direction to go. I my concern was is that if I put the solid if if I if I sandwich something in, was I you know sandwiching in some moisture or anything like that and I didn't want to create problems down the road. Yeah well let's hop, let's hope not. If you use good siding on top of Tyvek, I don't think that's gonna be an issue. Okay, great. Well thank you very much. Lori in Ohio's on the line and needs some help in the yard. What's going on at your money pit? Hi, this is Lori and I actually have my grandson Garrett with me. <laughs> and oh, hi, Garrett. Well, Garrett, welcome to the Money Pit. <laughs> Say hi to him. Hi. Oh, hi, <laughs> um, I actually have two grandsons. He's almost seven and one. He's almost two. And we're excited for summer and want to do a lot of things outside. We want to do a sandbox sort of thing to play in, but we're kind of leery about using sand because we've heard about, you know, a lot of spiders, bugs, cats, getting into it. And I just wonder if there's any kind of alternative out there that you know of that we could use instead of sand. I mean, what's a sandbox without sand? (laughs) (laughs) And the kids do love it so very much. That's true. Well, listen, I mean, we, we had sandboxes when our kids were small and we never had concerns about that. Now I did have one that had, that had a cover that went over it. So that kept the, uh, you know, the cats out and that kind of thing. But I can't recall that we ever had any issues with, uh, with insects or anything like that. I mean, the worst thing was what if you forgot to put the cover on and you got a rainstorm and it flooded and that would take a lot to get it dried out again. But I, 
I don't know that it's ever been really an issue. Maybe things are different down in Ohio, but I've never had an issue with it. Leslie, what about you? I will say that when, when the kids were little, especially Charlie, when he was at his, you know, pre-K, so he's three, four, they had a sandbox and my kid and like one other kid were always the only kids in the sandbox. And I always felt the judging looks from the other parents like, mm. They're in the sandbox. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's like, what? They love it. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe I'm missing something on why people are so grossed yeah. out by them. That's what I'm getting. Like, um, at me, uh, you know, when my two sons were smaller, yeah, that was okay. And no one thought anything twice about it. But now that I'm a grandma and there's this new generation. Oh, get ready to be judged, grandma. You're welcome to the judge generation. <laughs> Look online and, you know, there's different stuff, but nothing that... I just don't know about it. You know, I would trust your decades of experience as a grandma, your decades of life experience you went through to get there, rather than any of this newfound advice from these new experts, also known as millennials. Uh-huh. Listen, the judgy looks only last so long. Plus, you can turn around. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, I just I just come up on your program one evening as I was driving to my grandson's karate class, and I thought, you know, this is the perfect... It was going through my mind, and I thought, I'm just going to call in. So I uh, appreciate your opinion, and I thanks for listening to me and giving me uh, advice to stick to the old saying. Well, we think Garrett has an awesome grandma, making sandboxes and taking the kids to karate. Very cool. He's a lucky boy. Well, thanks so much for calling us. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, if you'd like to add beautiful hardwood floors to your home, there's a new collection out now from LL Flooring called Bellawood Artisan Shoreline Collection. Now, I love these designs because the boards have been shaped using a very subtle wire brushing, scraping, even a cross-hatched surfacing technique, and it gives them that character of a unique seaside community from the moment they've been installed. They just have that beautiful patina, like they are perfectly worn. Yeah, and these floors are also a wide plank flooring. And when you have wide planks, you have fewer seams, and that gives you sort of an open feeling that can make your space seem larger. I also like that they're made in North America. They're made from premium North American hardwoods and that they have the Bellawood matte finish. This is a pretty impressive finish for hardwood because not only does it resist stains and scuffs and scratches, it's backed up by a 100-year transferable residential warranty and another five-year warranty if it has a commercial use. So they really stand behind the product. I mean, that really is an amazing warranty. Now, you can find the Bellawood Artisan Shoreline Collection at all LL Flooring store locations nationwide and online at llflooring.com. Joel in Kansas, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have a new home that's now nine years old. From day one, when you flush the toilet, it gurgles in the shower. And then several months ago, it stopped gurgling. But now when you take a shower, you smell sewer gas. Huh. <laughs> yes. Wow. So you have a ventilation problem, clearly. I yes. Mean, so some part of the system is not designed correctly. Now, when you hear the gurgling sound, that's because the uh, plumbing system is gasping for air. And when you look at a plumbing system and you have drains that are below the floor, and then if you stand outside and you see these vent pipes that come out through the roof, basically they're supposed to be letting the air in and they'll vent some sewage gas out, but that stops pressure from building inside the pipes, which is what's happening. That's why you have that gurgling sound. And the fact that you get a sewage gas smell is really bad. So you need some some pretty serious inspection work here to figure out what's going on. Is there any chance you can uh, get to the area below uh, this bathroom to see how the pipes are run? Yes, and 
I really expected there to be a pipe going up to the ceiling directly from that, but there's not. Um, the plumber came in and put in a, I'm going to call it a longer P-trap or a deeper P-trap. Right. And then he also put in a, a vent there underneath the floor. It doesn't go anywhere. It's just... Uh, it's basically designed to let air in, I think. Right. The shower's at the end of the system, and then it runs into the toilet, and then the toilet goes on into the sewer. So it's between the toilet and the end of the and the sewer is where that vent is. And he's at a loss. We're at a loss. We're going to have to go up through the walls and out through the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, that's the best place because you should be getting plenty of air in there. That I mean, that first thing, the first clue is that you're still getting a gurgling. Well, the gurgling has stopped. Oh, it has stopped. So that vent, that vent stopped that? Yeah. If you're getting the sewage gas smell, that might be backing up through the vent. Look, the best way to do this is to have the vent go up through the wall through the attic and out the roof. That's the way it normally would be done. And if that's not what you have because of this configuration, that's probably what I would try. I would be, I would be aiming to try to get there the easiest way possible. And I know it's not that easy because, you know, running plumbing pipes after the house is built is never good. How old is this house? It's nine years. Nine years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's what you're going to have to do. Okay. Does the vent need to be between the shower and the toilet or? On the downhill side of... The vent would actually probably come out about where it is right now, it would seem to me. Okay. But it would go in the wall and up. Right. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I hope that helps you out at least a little bit. Good luck with that project, and thanks for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Mark wrote, and he said he recently had a laminate floating floor installed in his bathrooms, but he noticed after the installer left that both toilets are really loose. He says, I'm not sure if this is normal, but it does concern me uh, if they are eventually going to leak. Is there something I can do to fix this? Well, I mean, if the installers just left, <laughs> like within the last week or two, I would call them back. Well, first of all, understand that toilets may have a tiny bit of movement, and that's okay, right? Because there's a wax seal that's under them that's very thick and squishy, and that will seal out any leaking of water that could occur. Now, if you want to tighten it up yourself... You can tighten the bolts up on either side of the toilet, but be warned, if you make them too tight, the bolts will crack, and now you'll be looking at a very expensive toilet replacement and not just a wobbly toilet. You'll need a whole new one. So you can tighten up a little bit, but don't put any stress on that ceramic base uh, because if you do, you might just break the toilet. I think he's better off, Leslie, just calling these contractors back and letting them do it. They should know how to handle this without any problems. Yeah, and they should have done it as part of their completed project. So definitely get them back in. Yeah, especially if they like remove the toilet to install the floor, which which they probably did. In fact, I would hope that they did. Right. Because otherwise the seam around the toilet between the toilet and the laminate is going to be prone to some deterioration and leaking. All right. So Mark, pick up the phone and get them back there. Well, if you grow vegetables in your garden to eat, that's amazing. But you know what? Some vegetables are better served shaken or stirred. Leslie has tips on the most popular plants for cocktails in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. You know, Leslie, uh, growing fruits and vegetables and maybe making pizza gardens like we talked about earlier in the show, that's great for kids. But if you want to get adults into gardening, you got to make plants for cocktails. Oh, for sure. This has <laughs> pandemic project written all over it, you guys. <laughs> I mean, seriously, growing fruits and herbs for drinks, it's a really fun new approach to your backyard garden. And this time of year, springtime, really is the time that you want to get it going. 
Now, you can think about adding some zest to seltzer, beer, even cocktails with some homegrown limes. And they can dress up a plain old glass of water, too, or even bring out the floral notes in the finest of alcoholic beverages. Now, limes, you can grow them in pots outside during the summer or even inside your house if you've got a nice bright area when the weather cools down. Another great addition to traditional cocktails is lavender. It really does pair especially well with gin. It helps to bring out the floral elements of gin. And lavender is also incredibly easy to grow. You can grow it in either a garden itself or in a container. And if cocktails are your end goal here with lavender, you want to go with English lavender. That is the sweetest variety. And if alcoholic drinks simply just aren't for you, you can add fruits or herbs from your garden to ice cube trays. It makes the water more flavorful. It gives you eye-catching ice cubes. They really are the perfect touch to any garden party. And it's going to get you and your guests really in the mood for summer. So get together, get outside, do some gardening, and have a nice time. And speaking of getting together, why not get together around your own DIY backyard fire pit? You know, with just a bit of planning and a trip to your local home center, you can build that fire pit yourself. We're going to tell you how to do just that on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.